Hello everyone and welcome to episode 95 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast, the podcast that simply refuses to get its hopes up. Joining me are ben- is Ben Cartwright. Good evening. And Tom Thrower. Hey up. Um, Stoke City drew nil-nil with Liverpool on the weekend. I'm sure most of you saw it, or at least heard about it. Um, Tom, why can't we just get relegated properly? What are we doing? What 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 are we playing at? What's what's this? I don't like it. I reckon we're all being punished for um, like you know some seriously bad things we've done in past lives, etc. Uh, that can be the only reason because we keep being bloody like someone's trying to start a fire with petrol except apart from it's not petrol it's hope and they're just pouring it all over us Stoke fans they keep doing it and it's not fair <laughs> yeah I mean that <laughs> isn't fair really is it because like I don't know what you guys were expecting but especially when I saw the Liverpool team I thought mm. right we're getting absolutely battered here it's done that's it it's over. Mo Salah's... Oh, look, three minutes in, Mo Salah's away. Mo Salah's just going to put this in the net now. But no, not only do we hold on, we actually look like we know what we're doing at the back. We're, we're putting in all that Lambert graft and passion and everything. And we come away with... Is it is it a good point even? Is it like... Because I've heard it described as a great point and a good point, but it's not really enough, is it? Or is it enough? I don't know. It's I don't un- know. I'm really confused this <laughs> evening. Like. It's only a good point if we. It's a good point on the proviso that we win at Palace and Swansea. Otherwise, it's just meaningless and it's just classic Stoke. I mean, normally it's meaningless in the sense that it's sort of a result like this differentiates us into ninth instead of twelfth. But here it's just stringing us along and making us wait ever further and, until we know our fate. I mean, it's just a horrible situation to be in. And I just said before the re- recording, I, I don't understand. I think I said it last week as well. How are we still in in this? How have we not been relegated yet? It makes no sense. I mean, all the clubs around us seem to just pick up points. That like Southampton winning was gutting, obviously. Um, Everton got the right result winning away, which ne- which I don't think happens that often. So Huddersfield are really bad. They're not going to win again, except on the last day when they beat Arsene Wenger on his last ever game in charge to make it all fruitless. Oh, um, it's just a massive mess of points and not points in our case and how the hell did we not pick up a win since January like one win think about that think about one win how different we'd feel right now two more points I yeah it's just so infuriating it was infuriating at the time but how many times have we given away two points yeah Charlie Adams penalty Jack Butland throwing it in the net fucking Andy Carroll in the last minute against yeah. West Ham we'll be talking about those it's moments just, for years to now, come yeah I, and I feel like every team that does go down has these mm. moments over the course of the season that they look to and think well if we could have picked up a point yeah. there or three points here you know then it's the difference between going up and going down now that shouldn't excuse the fact that we've been proper shit a lot <laughs> but like I just, I just hate it. I hate this kind of weird situation where we're still shit. We're still not winning games, but we're just getting the odd point 
that you don't expect us to get just to keep us barely within touching distance of the rest of the other teams. Now, Tom, uh, there was some group chat uh, goings on where we were looking at, you know, uh, potential permutations, like looking at other teams' fixtures. Like, every other team's still got a game in hand on us as well. Like, why, why are we even bothering? But I think most realistic scenarios where we win both games, whether you think winning both games is realistic is another matter, most of the time, if we win both those games, we actually probably will survive. Because the Huddersfield's fixtures are shocking, and all it's down to is like one of Southampton, West Ham or Swansea having a having a mare and obviously if we beat Swansea we've taken points of them as well Tom what's going on I think it actually sort of gets back to what Ben was saying like how on earth are we still in this and it's because everyone else is just as crap as us like those those I reckon though that there's probably about six or seven teams who've had those single moments like we've just mentioned where every single one seems to have not gone in Stokes favour but like your Huddersfields and your West Ham have had like half of them go in their favour because everyone from like screw it even Leicester Leicester got hammered yesterday everyone (laughs) below seventh is shit (laughs) everyone's crap the Premier League this season has the best team it's ever had in it and like 19 of the worst it's ever had (laughs) it's just terrible so yeah we do six points um, Swansea and Southampton playing each other now sort of looks like it's in our favour because like that, there's no way they can both get three points from that game, so that's good. Um, and Huddersfield, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm losing my train of thought because it doesn't make sense. It's nuts that we're still, after winning one game since the turn of the year, still not relegated. It's incredible. It's so incredible. Oh, it's hilarious. It's Oh, amazing. And I think the one good thing, well, there was a few good things, but Palace smashing Leicester is probably a good thing for us as well, considering they're safe mm. now. So yeah. that's a, like, I was like, almost not cheering on every goal, but it's like, that just, they're, they're on the beach. They, Roy Hodgson yeah, is... They're on the beach. Look, he'll he'll have Harry Kane on corners. It's it's going to the final day, isn't it? It's going to to the final day. And I don't know whether we'll go into the final day like three points off with a shit goal difference, which will basically mean we're relegated before we kick off. Or if we'll go into the final day with a realistic chance that if we beat Swansea, we we stay up. I just know it's going to be dreadful. It's going to be absolutely gut-wrenching. It's going to be the worst yeah. 90 minutes of my life. And you'll be like checking in on all the results, but still relying on Stoke to win. And I'm just, I'm just not mentally prepared for it. I want, <laughs> I wanted us to be down. Uh, yeah, I did. I wanted yeah. us to be down already. So I could just get this crap out of the way. And oh, Stoke, you absolute git. <laughs> um. But I suppose we should actually, you know, congratulate the team for the performance at Anfield because, as I said, we didn't expect anything there. Tom, I believe you went. Uh, What was the what was the mood in the away end? Um, Odd, actually. 
I got into an argument with someone about Jack Butland within like five minutes of the match kicking off. That's not like you. It's not straight like you. Out of play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it was strange because normally the away day, especially somewhere like like Liverpool, where we're just expecting to get battered, is that like jovial? Oh yeah, bloody hell! Here we go again, Stoke. Let's see how many they can score against us. But it was like it was tetchy. But that then the performance sort of eased all of those concerns. I think the, the defence has put in one of the best performances a defence has ever put in for Stoke. Never mind a Paul Lambert defence, never mind a Mark Hughes defence, never mind a Tony Pulis defence. That, that is against one of the best attacking teams in Europe, minus one of their best players, of course. But, I mean, Firmino and Salah had just, had just been unbelievable up to this point. And Eric Bloody Peters decided, you know what, Mo? You're crap. <laughs> You're only as good as bloody Ramadan. Amazing. And I'm show the world. What a Amazing performance from Eric Peters. Like he he definitely has his critics, and but I think in, in fairness, most of them have come from when he's be, being played left wing back. Sometimes when he plays left back as well, he'll just do something that makes you think, "What the? What are you doing that for?" But that performance is possibly the best individual display from a Stoke player this season. But again, uh, to kind of back up your point about the overall defence, like Bruno, Shawcross and uh, Zuma, they were just magnificent. Like Ryan Shawcross's tackle on Milner when they seemed to be lining up shot after shot on the edge of the area, that was mm. absolutely stunning. And like Badu and Joe Allen came in with some absolute corking challenges as well. It was, It was like... We drew nil nil with Liverpool, our first ever game there after coming back up uh, under Tony Pulis, and it was a similar kind of thing. Where I don't think Liverpool were perhaps as good, but they had Gerard and Torres, you know, and it was like uh, Leon Court took a ball to the face, and it was that kind of bodies on the line stuff. But it wasn't a case that we were just throwing bodies in front of everything. We actually had a well organised defence. They didn't have like many sitters apart from the, the Salah one at the start. It wasn't like they it was Butland keeping us in it or anything. So it was just, we shut them down so well. And Shawcross, oh God. Oh. Like, that, you know, yeah. I don't I don't even want to have a go at him for it because it doesn't seem fair that he's, he's even in that position anyway. But, Man alive. He could be our top scorer we, this season. We, it's incredible. We <laughs> we didn't deserve to nick it because I don't think, besides the defence and Badu and Allen, maybe we were at all good enough. But like bloody hell, like, what what a weird team we are. It's sometimes incredible. we just we just make it up as we go along. If we were Bournemouth or someone that sort of the narrative liked, then of course, like our captain, who in his specific circumstances would score a last-minute winner at Anfield in that after that kind of performance. But you know, we aren't. We're Stoke fans, and we're getting the stick constantly this season. We're just getting whacked with it, whacked <laughs> with the your crap stick. In fairness, the your crap stick has had a point most of the season. <laughs> most of the time this season Oh dear. So yeah, uh, a great defensive performance. We got the point we deserve, but maybe not the one we need right now. 
And Literally. like we it's just kept us can... scrapping around and as I said at the start, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just it's it's really weird, isn't it? That yeah, that we keep on just picking up those single points just to keep us in it. It's it is perfect for our survival. We, I, I, it's written. It's going to happen, isn't it? It's just inevitable, really. When, when you think about it, it's just <laughs> what's going to happen now. <sighs> no, it isn't. <laughs> if we convince ourselves, actually, it's probably better if we say it's not going to happen, isn't it? It's not going to happen. It's yeah, definitely not going to happen. Definitely not. But it might. But it might. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! And that's all for this week, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul Lambert, then, like he he's he's god now, isn't he? Well, he was the last Stoke manager to get a, anything at Anfield. Tom, like, I, I'm expecting nothing but positive vibes towards. Paul now he's he's the man next season give him a chance to build his own squad and and away we go um no <laughs> no not quite there not quite yet but I, I mean maybe he's laid foundations for me to maybe hold that opinion maybe we have been too harsh on him maybe could your have voice have gone any him. higher yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> someone really forced, forced you to lie at ransom <laughs> um I, I don't know I, I think I don't not like Paul Lambert, and as, as a bloke, I actually really do like him. He seems to sort of remind, well, if I imagine myself as a football manager, that's what I'd be like. He seems to genuinely be like someone who just loves football and really does want to do well. But, you know, it was a draw against a weakened Liverpool team. Yeah, we played really well, but really going forward, did we, did we do anything? Have we done anything? But then is that Paul Lambert's fault or is it the fact that we've got an attack constructed entirely of people who either have zero confidence or should, you know, be continuing with their coaching badges and not their playing career? Um, So I don't know where I stand with Lambert. I'm still probably would prefer us to get someone in irrelevant of what happens at the end of this season who either has experience of getting out of the championship or, or sort of rebuilding teams in the Premier League or someone with like fresh ideas, because I don't feel that Lambert really has like a solid solid idea on what he wants a football team to do. But then do you need that? Do we actually need someone who does that? Or do we just want someone who goes out there going, right, this is how we're going to win today, and that's what we're going to do. So I'm not Lambert in. I'm probably still Lambert out, but not like, you know, screaming it. I wouldn't hashtag it on Twitter at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ben, a question from Andrew Rushton. Doesn't Lambert deserve some credit here? We've, we'd have caved under Hughes. Yeah, yeah. That's a fair enough point, isn't it? Of course he does, yeah, naturally. A point at Anfield is an, ama- an amazing result and, and it's only because of the circumstances that it's not, we're not sort of celebrating it. If it was early in the season, I think someone tweeted it being like, it's a great point in August um, for Stoke, but at, at this point in, in April slash well, nearly May, it's not what we need, um, but it is amazing, and and you have to congratulate him for setting up that team. I mean, on on the point, should Lambert stay? And picking up on what you said there, Tom, a, lo- a sort of theme of Wizard of Drivel since we since you started it, Dave, really, is that we haven't had an identity. Do we have an identity on the pitch under Lambert? I'm still not really convinced that we do. I still don't really know, except for an organised defence 
what are we trying to be as a team? I, you you still can put your finger on it probably. So I think if if he can sort of if 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 the only reason for that not being the case is always oh, coming late in January, he hasn't been able to set up his his transfers like he wanted to probably he hasn't been able to do whatever with the club yet and he goes at it again in the summer um whatever league we're in as as is as is going to happen um and sets it up into a i don't know into a system obviously we've spoken to a lot about the german visits if he's going to set us up like a sort of pressing team i mean tom you're more of an expert on that kind of thing than me but it doesn't look like we're trying to do that um so it's it's I would love an identity for Stoke again. Is basically my point. And and has Paul Lambert brought that back to us? I don't think so yet. But there's still time, and it was a great point at Anfield, of course. Mm. Uh, and a related question from uh, Gibi on Twitter. On Twitter, I know you're anti Lambert, but do you not think with a decent forward or two we'd actually look like a good team? I'm loving our performances at the moment. So nice to finally have a team back. Just a shame it may be too little, too late. And I do have some sympathy with the view that if we had someone better than Mamjuf to tuck these chances away, then, you know, we'd have at least had, you know, two more points than we do now. And that puts us in a better position to look to survive. But I feel with Lambert, and I totally accept that with, you know, a full summer to rebuild the squad, and I totally accept that the squad he inherited is contains a bunch of dickheads in it. I, f- I feel like these, I think, 12 or 13 games he's played now are essentially on an audition, or should be an audition for the full-time job. This should be his trial period to see if, if he's worth keeping around. Whether we stay up or go down, these 13 games should be, right, let's see what you're made of. And I don't think he's he's done enough we, he's won one game and totally accept there's been a few games we've been unlucky but we've also watched a lot of shite as well Watford at home Burnley at home Newcastle like really just dour dour performances and I don't blame him for playing crap football in trying to grind out results I don't blame him for Mam Juf missing chances, Charlie Adam missing penalties, Charlie Adam being a dickhead in general, all that. But I just don't see what it is that make that would make anyone confident that he can build a team to go up through the championship. He finished really poor position with Wolves in the championship. He had a really bad time at Villa. And yeah, he did a good job at Norwich, but that is a long time ago now. And I'm not sure that his style of football is is going to A, bring people through the door next season and B, win enough football matches. Because let's look at it, that Liverpool game is probably our best performance under Paul Lambert and it was basically because we shut out a good attack. Nothing to do with going forward. Against the teams around us and let's again not forget that first six games we should have won more than one and we didn't. So I'm still I'm still not in favour of Paul Lambert staying. I think he will, which kind of renders that whole five minutes I was speaking just there obsolete, but the, diff- yeah. the difficulty is with the I'm, team I'm, is that there's there's just no creativity going forward. When Shakiri isn't at his best, 
Um, no one would say that he's at his best, whatever you think of him normally. Um, so when Shaqiri's not on form, you've got Bauer on, at left wing, who's a, a lovely lad, of course, but he's not he's not doing what Arnautovic did for us on the left. So I definitely... Like, what can we do going forward? You've got Peter Crouch and... And Jeff, what are they waiting for? They're waiting for a bit of brilliance from Shakiri that just isn't really happening at the moment. But the whole the whole Bauer situation for me is probably like a, a really nice example of my issues with Lambert because Shakiri needs to have that freedom to drift inside, and that isn't created from him playing at number ten or just sticking him on the right and saying, "Look, Shakiri, you can go inside." That comes from having threat on the on on the the mm. right wing outside of him, and you're not going to get that with Kurt Zuma playing there. And I understand that against Liverpool, maybe you do want to be a bit more solid and have a bit more of a consistent back four, purely style, almost four centre backs playing. But Bauer, if someone could build a right, the kind of right back you need for Shakiri in a lab, you'd get Moritz Bauer out the end of it. He is perfect for Shakiri. And we've seen him play next to Shakiri for what five games in a really defensive four-one-four-one in those big games that were important to us, which meant that when Bauer's getting forward, Shakiri hasn't even had the time to come inside because we've lost the ball because we've got one attacker. Mm. So that, that that's my concern with Lambert that when you look at sort of his tactical decisions outside of like the bigger plan the tinkering, the bringing Darren Fletcher on at right wing. Good grief. I mean, what was that? What was was that? I mean, it worked because Fletcher didn't F up, but, you know, that only takes, like, Fletcher to get absolutely burned by Moreno or something, Mm. and you're suddenly looking at that going, Lambert, what on earth are you doing? There's so many things like that. All the substitutions, apart from... What's it? When he brought um, Ramadan on for Martin's Indy, which is the first good sub he's made as a Stoke manager. Just all those little <laughs> no, things just suddenly cast... <laughs> <laughs> I... They just all cast a doubt on, on yeah. him as a tactician. I do hope that... The whole Bauer at left yeah, wing thing as well, like... Why? I, I, well, especially when we've got Ramadan. Yeah, you've got as Ramadan well. on the bench. I, I hope that he goes Bauer right back next weekend. When you think about Palace um, setting up, they've got. I, I assume Van Aanholt will play on play at left back with obviously Zaha causing problems for them. Does he play left wing for them? I'm not entirely sure. I think he does. Uh, up front. Is it up front now? Yeah. I don't really watch. They them. play like four centre mids. It's horrible. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Patrick up Van Aanholt obviously not known for his defensive abilities really so having that option um, of an overlap past Shakiri, it, it feels like that's what you'd be looking for next week hopefully because um, we never really do seem to get those a lot of I mean I'm talking about Liverpool now their, their game against Roma in the midweek um, I think at least two or three of their goals were sort of cut back crosses the type that you I, I'm going to sort of fit the fit the stereotype here, but the type of goals that you'd hate to score or hate to be scored against on FIFA with the cutback goals. We never really, we never seem to do that, but Bauer would be that perfect player for hitting the byline, getting it back and playing it to a striker who can finish. Unfortunately, we don't have one of those, so that's the problem. Um, but, yeah, it's bizarre, some of his decisions. There's there's no doubt about that. And But the problem is, there's, there's just no creativity because 
Ramadan hasn't had the season that I guess we all hoped for. Shakiri's gone off the boil a bit since he made those comments. Um, maybe that's not linked, but maybe it is. So where where do our goals come in the next two games that are literally literally must win? Yeah, this was going to be my um, next question. Like, what a what do we do about the the striking situation? Do we even have any choice in that regard? And and how how do we approach the game? Do we stick with four four two? I mean. Crouch and Juf, like Juf, Mam's confidence, I think, is just in the gutter, and there's, in a sense, nothing we can do about that. But I don't think Crouch starting games is the answer. I think he's much better as a sub when you're trying to go long late on. I don't think he contributed anything against either Burnley or Liverpool. I mean, do we start with Campbell? Like, uh, I mean, this is such a boring point but I'm going to bring it up again why the hell didn't we bring Bojan back yeah because we need him literally kept me up he's not there literally kept me up I was just thinking about it as I got home in a drunken stupor just thinking why don't we have Bojan just think about him there scoring goals he would have he would have scored more than I reckon more than any of our strikers this season it's just beyond belief but it is Or, or even just added that that with creativity even on his worst day he yeah. yeah on yeah sorry on his worst day he adds like at least 10% more creativity to that, that side one and, key pass and that so that's sometimes moment. all you yeah, need literally. yeah one pass one one idea is all you need really against some of these teams and it's all right it winds me up but i think uh, campbell tom what what are we doing against palace well enter eric chupo moting is what I'm saying. Um, he's been out with injury and he should be should be back in training this week. And just looking now, according to uh, Transfer Marks, who can be a bit weird with their positioning and stuff, in the 30 games Chupo has played in his career, uh, uh, that number 10 role, he scored 10 goals. So that's like one in three, which is probably Oof. better than our strikers are doing at the minute. Definitely. So my I suggestion... Like those would just be thrown in there. He's had a weird season where his stats look actually quite good, five goals, five assists, but like performance-wise, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, yeah, Chupa Moting, he's been amazing. Mm. But I just think, mm. of everyone, we've got to do something different. Crouch doesn't work. In his last five games, he's had one shot. It was the goal against West Ham, mm. but, you know, someone who's had one shot in five games shouldn't really be leading your line. That's sort of centre-back statistics. How does that feel? Um, uh, sorry, I've interrupted you there, but how, how does that feel for Peter Crouch? How does he still say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in it to play, I'm in it to win it, when you have one shot in five games as a striker? Anyway, continue. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think that, that was sort of... I was coming to the end anyway, but yeah, I, I do think that Crouch is a good option off the bench to do what he did against West yeah. Ham to get tired defenders going, oh my God, what the hell do I do? Rather than what you had against Liverpool where Virgil van Dijk went, oh, pretty crouch, all right then, I'm just going to head against him and win. And I think that's what's happened in sort of all the games that we've had because Crouch gets to 45 minutes, comes back on and has a five-minute burst of energy and then he's done and he can't compete physically, really. So I think for Stoke, rather than just sort of for our sense of, oh, Crouch is crap, I actually think Crouch is a threat off the bench. So we need to utilise that. And then it's, do you play Campbell or do you play Juf up top? And like you said, Juf's confidence has disappeared. And playing an 18-year-old in two massive, massive games is a massive risk. So 
I have no idea, actually. <laughs> I, I'm going back to no idea. Unless we play Stephen Island at 10 and Chupo up front. Did I really wow. just suggest Stephen Island playing football in 2018? <laughs> yeah, football, football's done stuff to our minds this season. <laughs> like, oh. you, we're one step away from suggesting Shawcross up front. Um <laughs> Question from David Rice. If we don't beat Palace on Saturday, it'll be 9.30am local time for me in North Carolina. Is that too early to start drinking to numb the pain? <laughs> Never. Never too early to drink no. away the pain with Stoke City. The weekend... But, but you're abroad anyway, David, so it's like you're on holiday. It's five so, o'clock somewhere, the same know. goes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a related question... To what we were talking about from Gareth Edwards, how can this team score goals defensively sound? But how do you set up for an absolute have-to-win game against what looked to be a rampant Palace? Also, Shaq ineffective. Discuss. I think Shaq ineffective is is harsh, and and whatever whatever form he's in, he has to be in there just for when Glenn Johnson decides not to play a quick free kick or he'll hit one top corner like he likes to do often, um, relatively often. I think what we've struggled with in the last, well, since Lampard came in, is that we haven't had that that win factor, that just being able to go over line, get the three points and do it. The thing with Chupo Moting is he often, as Tom has sort of alluded to there, he, he has that a bit where it's like he probably doesn't deserve the stats that he has, or maybe that's a bit harsh, probably doesn't deserve a ways to score. Like He gets that... Um, he just nabs a goal and I can imagine him doing that in this situation he would just get a rubbish goal and uh, bringing him in Tom you've, you've won me over I think I would be very surprised if he's if he's training this week to not see him in the lineup. and yeah I don't understand attacking Shakiri. I, I don't understand it I know that sometimes he can be frustrating to watch as any creative player is and it's difficult but he is the player that whatever happens he could he could do something um, it doesn't always feel like he will do, and it he doesn't always do it, obviously, but he might, and that's what we, all we can hope for. Literally, who else would we bring in for Shakiri as well? Like, come on, come on. Yeah, I, I'd agree with ineffective in in, in that, that he game. was ineffective yeah, against sorry. Liverpool because because he, yeah, he couldn't really do anything. I thought Liverpool did a good job. Like, yeah, he, that 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 shack in it, and I think we've had this conversation many times before where it's like. Yeah, sometimes he will just do a five out of ten because you just can't. If if he did that every, if he did moment of magic every single game, he wouldn't be playing for us. And yeah, and and he won't be next season because clubs want that. Clubs want someone who can, no matter how inconsistent, pull you something out of nothing. Um, I want to move on now to. Uh, a kind of a story, a saga, if you like, that was blowing up on the old social media in the build-up to the Liverpool game. Uh, essentially, a picture emerged of a banner uh, with Peter Coates' image and what's all the fuss about um, typed on it, if you like. Uh, and this has drawn like several strong reactions uh, f- like from those who see it as ungrateful and you know why are we attacking Peter Coates it's not his fault we're going down and so the other side of yeah we just fans should make their voices heard and this banner 
demonstrates that depth of feeling and it might kind of prompt the board into some kind of action, whether that's sacking Lambert, sacking Skull, sacking Cartwright. Not you, Ben. Um, like, Tom, what what have you made of, of Bannergate and the fuss about what all the fuss is about? I think it was a bit of a massive overreaction. A bit of a massive overreaction. That's not right. Um, there, was a, there was an overreaction uh, from both sides, sort of from the people who took it as being like a, yeah, let's do a coach out march. Let's like, you know, let's let's go mental about it. And the side who were like, how dare you criticise Peter Coach? I think at the end of the day, it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek banner that that was quite funny, actually. I thought it was, it was a, a good laugh. Um, but I do think there needs to be some accountability. And I think the Liverpool game probably showed it that if Hughes had gone earlier in the season, if he'd have gone in the summer when he should have, if he'd have gone after the Bournemouth game when he should have, if he'd have gone even after the West Ham game when he should have, that we wouldn't be in this mess, that somewhere it would have clicked and we wouldn't be where we are now. We'd probably be one of these teams like Crystal Palace who are sort of have been for like the last month or so a win away from fully pulling out of it. But I, I, And the defence of Coates always seems to be, oh, well, he got us here and his investment got us here and it took us to Europe. Right, OK, so, so if that's, that's your defence of him, then surely, j- just by logic, getting us relegated from that position through mismanagement and failing to, you know, act when time was needed, irrelevant of the motivations behind that. Yeah, OK, it was because he doesn't want to be the kind of chairman who chops the manager as soon as things start looking downhill. But surely, if getting to the Premier League is such a noble, praiseable thing... Surely falling out of it is, is equally as like derisable and something you can criticise. Mm. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure it's relegation is as bad as promotion is good. I I I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think like the a lot of people will say like the the achievement of promotion and then consequently Europe. Those achievements are so great for a club of Stoke size that something like relegation which admittedly may be down to coach's mistake it's not it's not all that bad in the long run we've we've still got a a well-run club on the face of it it's just kind of one bad season or two bad seasons we've had where where things have gone wrong for us i guess a lot of i suppose yeah. go on tom I, I i just think that okay if you get promoted and one season, two season, even like three seasons, you go straight back down. I'd understand that argument of, oh, well, getting promoted is much harder than than staying in the Premier League. But it was the fact that it was 10 seasons and we were ninth and ninth and ninth, and then it went to 13th. And the people who stuck their heads above the parapet and went, um, actually, I'm, I'm not sure everything's going okay here. There's some problems. We sort of shouted down especially by Coates, because I think he came out and was so much more vocal, which is one of the things I really have not understood. He's been so vocal about things when he just didn't need to. I'm fine with him not saying anything. I'd almost prefer it in some circumstances. But he was so vocal of, oh, well, there's no need to change anything. That 13th place was, you know, it was just a blip. It wasn't. And I think that's why people are angry. And I think irrelevant of your opinion, I think you've got to accept that people are allowed to be that angry and express that form of anger and I think some of the criticism the person who sort of posted that picture of the banner got 
was just a bit was just a bit over the line, really. I yeah. mean, we're all supporting the same club. We only want the best thing for Stoke. It's not done out of like maliciousness. I think literally that you've brought up a point there. I was I was going to make um, that I don't think he helps himself with the with the stuff he says in releasing to the public. That obviously that banner, that specific banner, is about the what's all the fuss about quote that will go down in history as a as a bad PR move from Peter Coates, but. It's also just saying like, oh, Lambert is our manager before the end of the season. It's like I understand that like, it's he's not going to do the opposite and say Lambert's out and Cartwright's out if we get relegated because that would just completely harm their their self esteem before like in where there's still a job to be done at this stage. But why say that it's fine whatever when we've won one game in January just. Wait until the end of the season. If imagine if we just lose both these games and we like we finish below West Brom, and and that precedent has been set that Lambert's fine. I don't really understand um, why that's okay, and yeah, it, it it just seems a bit weird. And I think that sort of builds the aggression, maybe not aggression, but that that those sort of opinions in in certain members of the fan groups, including ourselves. I think um, I would certainly say that he shouldn't have said those things. Um, it's just a bit of a weird one very weird um, for coach to come out and say these kind of things but then to play I don't know to play devil's advocate to what I've immediately just said if someone is coming out and saying things surely that's what the fans want a bit that's someone trying to be accountable and trying to like reflect that there's concerns and okay coach has probably done it in the wrong way by saying oh we're going to keep the manager in everyone relax we sort of we have a plan etc is he just trying to do it in, in a nice way to sort of relax the fans and he's just probably, ended up messing up probably but the issue is that when people say things that other people disagree with the people that disagree they're not going to be happy they're not happy and that's a natural thing that, that happens but in terms of Stoke City apparently that's not allowed and everyone just goes massively aggy and really over the top and act like it's the end of all things bright and beautiful um, but here we are and that's why we love it don't we mm. on that I think there's a uh, there's a post on the Oatcake I actually really like and uh, agreed with a lot which is a rare event for me it's by uh, Ted1965 if you want to find it on the Oatcake forum it's called We Need to Take Action or Stagnate Again but um, he, he says the real shame of this season is it should have been so different even though we look poor so often, we should have once again survived comfortably with points being thrown away in the last 20 minutes of games. The board can wring their hands at bad luck, refereeing decisions that went against us and shake their heads at the unfairness of it all, but they must take ultimate responsibility for where we find ourselves. And it's it's that kind of lack of accountability that's frustrating me because I'm not coats out by any stretch, but there needs to be some kind of accountability. I don't know what that means. I don't, don't, <laughs> I don't, like I don't think it necessarily student. means, I don't think it necessarily means like Tony Scholes has to be sacked. Although I've quite liked that <laughs> or, or there needs to be like a public apology or anything like that. But um, my concern is we go into the championship and Paul Lambert's still the manager and we don't invest enough because we will need to seriously invest and if 
the Telegraph are to be believe we're going to be selling a lot of players as well. How much money we get for them will be interesting. So I'm just I'm not sure they've got a contingency plan in place as well. I think we were very very comfortable, and for for that reason, I don't think like the Coates family or the board of directors know what to do now. I think they'll have had a plan when we first got up mm. under Pulis and be like, yeah, we, we probably won't stick around here. But as we became established, I think there has been a, a massive taking the foot off the gas and kind of just accepting that we were Premier League and we were going to be fine forever. And yeah, that's not happened. There's still time. There's still a chance. We're going to stay. I, what what are your guys' views on that? I find it weird, um, and I, I don't know how much either of you have said on this subject, the sort of, is it a good thing if we stay up? I feel like there, there's a, an attitude of that that's kind of bubbling away below the surface, that if we get these six points and other results go away, then we stay up, and happy days, will everyone be happy? I don't know where I, if either of you want to come in on that, but it, I've, I've sort of just sensed a certain aspect of, oh, it's, it's better to go down, and I... I disagree with that, but I'd be interested to hear if either of you agree with that sentiment. Um, I'll, 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 let, I'll let Tom have a go at that first, because uh, I, I haven't quite made up my mind, to be honest. <laughs> I'd I, I probably sit on the same side as you, Ben. I don't think it would be better. I don't think we're one of those clubs who have got sort of instability everywhere and if you stay up one season, well, the next season you're straight back in it. I, I think that Hopefully, the the board, irrelevant of what happens next season, whether we stay up, whether we go down, are looking at things and going, right, looking back on those two years, there's been severe mistakes everywhere. We have to take our our part of those. And I think to to fix those, it's always going to be easier to do it mm-hmm. in the Premier League. You're always going to be a more attractive club to new players in the Premier League. You're going to be a more attractive club to new managers in the Premier League. And And if we are keeping Lambert... Well, I'd much rather keep Lambert in the Premier League than I would in the Championship, if that makes any sense. Yeah, OK, we might mm. have to get rid of Lambert again, but hopefully, if that situation comes, the board are ready, sort of ready and prepared for it and willing to go, right, sorry, Paul, you're not doing it for us. So, yeah, I, I think staying up still is way more important mm. than going down and fixing ourselves. And there are so many, and as we said many times before, there yeah. are so many crap teams there just waiting to get relegated. So yeah. it's, it'll be much easier for us to, to rise above that scum than sort of rise above the creme de la creme of the championship because I think that gap is closing and, and Wolves will probably be better than a lot of teams down there um, at this point next year. Mm. Not if they sign Joe Allen. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Right. Um, right. I've been kind of enticed by the attitude of like... If we go down, it gives us a you know chance to completely refresh in a way that perhaps might not happen in the Premier League. But from what I've heard from the club is that Paul Lambert will still be the manager regardless of what league we're in. So immediately you don't really have that complete overhaul because you've still got the same manager and presumably the same the people around him and, the, and at board level as well. So it's not going to be this complete overhaul now Sunderland today interestingly 
after they've gone down, they've sat Chris Coleman and the club's up for sale. So they're going to have like a complete do-over. But I'm not even sure that's necessarily good for them because as crap as I think Chris Coleman is, it's kind of, it's almost overkill to sell the club and sack the manager as well because he'll probably be all right in League One if, if he wanted to stay around. But anyway, uh, the only kind of thing for me that suggests like the championship will be better is the first of all the the fan experience which I get isn't you know important to the overall you know uh, status of the club or anything but a lot of a lot of us now are in the position of starting to think about championship away days and like uh, seeing it as like a more real kind of football than than the Premier League and getting sick of you know the the money and some of the teams and and the lack of competitiveness in the Premier League. So and like we've had previous episodes of this podcast where we've done like the Wizards Guide to the Championship and and kind of look for the positives in that. But I I'd say still that look if we well when. I'm not going to say if. When we go down, like, that is a huge blow to the club. Because, yeah, relegations happen and, you know, we're stoked and we can't expect to be at the top table forever. But, like, the ground won't be full. I don't think it will be as bad as some people say. It won't be returned to one man and his dog. But, like, think of when you go to the Bet365, all the... The tourists, you see, we get tourists at Stoke now and people buy, you know, half and half scarves as as much as you hate them. But that means that there is a more casual fan coming to the games, giving money to the club, buying programmes, buying pies that usually doesn't come. So we immediately at a financial disadvantage and, you know, your merchandise sales are a lot less and it's a lot harder to just sustain a positivity about the club when you're in the championship and yeah it's 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 shit going down and we shouldn't we we shouldn't have let it happen <laughs> do you think do you think the the kit will still be announced for next season isn't it around this time that the kit normally gets announced You've... yeah but which players are well, going to be there going to be up for doing it when you mentioned <laughs> merchandise sales I, my mind went on a journey through what do relegated teams not do that? Yeah, like if we re- we usually do release a kit towards the back end yeah, of the season. The so last, like, like are we going to play, playing in your last home game? Yeah, yeah, and are we going to put them up for sale with like buy your Premier League branding on it and Shakiri. your Premier League numbers in your back of your <laughs> shirts? Yeah. Oh, oh God, I for- I forgot that our season ticket advert is Shakiri Butland and Allen. <laughs> With we the belong. caption "We belong." Oh no! Or, or right, Shakiri's going to score a screamer against Crystal Palace as we beat them three 0 and as he runs to the corner, he pulls off this season's shirt. Yeah, revealing um, a, a new season shirt as Peter Coates runs to the same corner with a new contract for him to sign. <laughs> <laughs> because we're staying up and everything's going to be okay. Then Shakiri gets a second yellow card for taking his shirt off. We lose 4 3, <laughs> and everyone's crying. 
We boo the players off the pitch. Football. <laughs> Football. Bloody hell. We'll, we'll think we'll uh, end on that happy note then. Uh, so, yeah, Stoke still not down yet. We're still not down. Oh. Who knows where oh, we're going to be this God. time next week? Literally so much could have Crying changed. one way or the other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See you in two. It's, it's a horrible, horrible sport. I hate it. I just hate it. Uh, so thank you, Tom, for joining me. Come on, Stoke. Don't, don't be dicks on Saturday. <laughs> thank you, Cheers, Ben. Dave and Tom. Uh, go on, Stoke. Beautiful. Hey everyone, Dave here, just for anyone who's looking to get involved with the podcast next season. Whilst uh, it's fun, just me, Ben, Chris, sometimes, like we, we want to hear more voices on them for the site next season, or being on the podcast yourself, then get in touch with us via DM or Facebook or, you know, Carrier Pigeon, like we, we're kind of building a squad have any kind of willingness to talk about Stoke and if you want to be a part of it we're all ears go on Stoke